This is Growing Pulse Crops, and I'm your host, Tim Hamrich. Today, we'll talk about root rots with Dr. Michael Vunch. Basically, what happens is, is if your soil temperatures are below 50 degrees Fahrenheit in that seven-day period after planting, the root rot severity is way lower. Way lower. I mean, you're cutting your Fusarium anaphanomyces root rot in half at those early mid-vegetative growth stages. So they can get a lot bigger before the root rot gets bad. Michael is a plant pathologist at the Carrington Research Extension Center at North Dakota State University. He earned his PhD from Cornell University back in 2010 and has worked for NDSU ever since, focused on disease management problems on a wide breadth of crops in North Dakota. Michael's work is dedicated to applied research that can directly address farmer needs. Today's episode focuses specifically on root rots in peas and lentils. Starting with the first of those root rots you might observe in a growing season, which are the cool season root rots, namely Pythium and Rhizoctonia. Given what we know about these crops, if you're having emergence problems early in the spring, but you don't have the plants showing this premature yellowing and dieback mid-season, okay, but you just have the emergence problems, well, then what you need to do is you need to start digging around once you realize you had an emergence problem, which is usually when you say your peas are up at one or two nodes, okay? If you start digging around at that stage, you'll still be able to diagnose the problem. Okay, and I can guarantee you, you're going to start finding rotten seeds. You're going to find on some of these plants that came up, okay, you dig up some of those, what you're going to see is that that seed sent up multiple shoots, Okay, and one of the shoots finally made it, but the other ones, they, they got girdled off, okay, um, before they hit the soil surface, i.e. they rotted off. And uh, field peas often have enough energy in them that if they send up the initial shoot and it gets girdled off by root rot, uh, it'll send up a new shoot. Not always, which is why you have some stand problems, okay? But if you see that, and it's maybe a little bit whitish gray. It's not like brown, you know, the seed rot and or the cutting off of that shoot, okay? And it'll actually just girdle it. I've had crop advisors send me pictures like this and growers too, and I've seen it myself. It's more common on chickpeas, but uh, field peas are also susceptible, so are lentils, and I've seen it on all three. But this is gonna be pythium. If, on the other hand, that girdling has kind of a reddish-brown color to it, then it's rhizoctonia early in the season, okay, when the soils are cool. And the management is very simple for that. Use a good seed treatment. You have to have a, a seed treatment with efficacy against pythium, which would be, um, it's, it's not a true fungus, okay? It's a water mold. It's actually more closely related to algae. And so uh, the fungicides that work against water molds are different from the fungicides that work against true fungi. And so you need to have a seed treatment that contains metalaxyl or methanoxam or ethoboxam for pythium, okay? And within our geography, the cheapest thing is metalaxyl or methanoxam, and they're very affordable, and they work well in our geography. Out in the Pacific Northwest, they have some metalaxyl resistance problems in some fields, and that also spills over to methanoxam, in which case, if you have a resistance problem, then you've got to use the ethoboxam. But, you know, the metal axle is very, very safe. So is the methanoxam on peas. With ethoboxam, you've got to be a little bit careful about the application rate. 
and you'd want to stay at that 0.3 fluid ounce rate of Intego Solo, uh, not go up to 0.6 because uh, you can get some phytotox at the higher rates. And even it's just slightly phytotoxic at 0.3, but not enough to be really super problematic. And by all means, Pythium causes more problems. And Pythium is a problem when the soils are cold and wet, especially when you get some saturated soils after planting. Like you plant and then you get a really heavy rain and it stays really cold. Uh, worse if that's clay-based soil that doesn't drain well. Ah, it's just, you know, a really danger zone for Pythium. Rhizoctonia uh, also likes cool soils, but it doesn't need it super wet. Moist soils are enough. And, and don't get me wrong, you can get some Pythium damage on moist soils, but it's not going to be explosive like it is when it gets saturated. But uh, the seed treatment, there are lots of active ingredients with activity against rhizoctonia. A lot of these newer fungicides um, that contain an SDHI, a FRAC7 active ingredient, are really fantastic against rhizoctonia. And all the companies have these SDHI, FRAC7 based fungicides. So basically, you want to make sure you've got metalaxyl methanoxin and then a FRAC7, so a group 7 active ingredient in that fungicide. And that's going to give you good activity against Pythium rhizoc, and that'll give you great control. Now, once the soil starts to warm up a little bit and the plants are more mature, new types of root rots can threaten these peas and lentils. These are the warm season root rots, which Michael calls the juggernauts of root rot problems and pulses, Fusarium and Aphanomyces. He says that the problem fields that they've studied over the years often have a problem with both cool season and warm season root rots. The warm season root rots are Fusarium and Aphanomyces, and this is what causes the mature plants to decline. This is when you see that yellowing in the field and the dieback and the wilt symptoms where the plant just, you know, I usually you tend to start seeing this around late vegetative growth into bloom, and then it can get really bad during pod fill. But basically, you start seeing this when the soils get warm. Those pathogens like it warm, all right? And unless you're planting your peas in early June, they're not going to be causing the seed decay and damping off, you know, because the soils aren't warm enough for them. But they will cause a complete rotting of the taproot and apicotyl, so everything below the ground. And it basically what they do is they impede the ability of the plants to take up water and to translate sugars down. And you'll see this. A lot of times those plants that are dying down, I mean, you just tug on them and they just come right out of the ground because the entire root system is rotted off. Okay, so the root rots are caused by multiple species of Fusarium and then this Aphanomyces eutyches. Fusarium is a true fungus, much like Rhizoctonia. Aphanomyces eutyches is an algae-like water mold, much like Pythium. And so Aphanomyces is favored by warm soils, but just like Pythium, it's when you have saturated soils that it becomes explosive. And so if you get some heavy rains or a wet period, extended wet period, when the soils are warm, so this would be mid-late June into July, and then you get this opportunity for this pathogen to really, really multiply. Usually what happens is the year that it multiplies, it establishes itself in the crop, but it establishes itself late enough that it doesn't cause tremendous damage that year. It's the next time you come onto that field that you see the problem. 
I'll give you a few examples of that in a moment, but let's go back to Fusarium. It doesn't require saturated soils. A little bit of moisture helps it, but it doesn't need waterlogged soils to keep them explosive, okay? Now, the problem with these fungi is that they become problems when the soil becomes a lot warmer. And by that point, it is typically a month after planting, sometimes a month and a half, that they really start to take off. And, you know, I mean, by that point, your seed treatment has really worn off. You know, and even these newer seed treatments that have quite a bit of systemic activity, I mean, but you have so much growth at that point, you know, I mean, you just don't have the level of activity. And it's not to say that some of the new seed treatments don't help against Fusarium. We have experience with Protheoconazole, so Proline, uh, and then that's a FRAC3 DMI. That clearly helps you against Fusarium, okay? But it's not enough as a standalone. We'll talk about that more as we go forward. It's, it's, you see, treatments are not really great tools for managing these warm season root rot pathogens because it's so far after planting. And Michael's already shared some about seed treatment, but he emphasizes that there really are no silver bullets to managing these root rots. However, there are some really practical strategies that growers can implement. Our preliminary data would suggest that stacking these three management strategies has the potential anyhow to give you satisfactory root rot management in peace. And the three management strategies are planting early, in this case, we're optimizing when the soil temperatures at seeding depth, in this case, two inches deep, because that's what we did our research at, average between 45 and 50 degrees Fahrenheit, day and night, in the seven-day period after planting. And this is something that you can actually predict pretty well if you know the current soil temperatures and you know the weather forecast. So if you can see that it's, you're, you're going to warm up quite a lot and your soil temperatures right now averaging day and night at that two inch depth are about, you know, let's say 41, 42 degrees. Well, then you're safe to go because, you know, the soils are going to be warming up. If you're right now within that range and it's the temperatures are supposed to stay relatively stable, but relatively cool, then you, you're also good to go. All right. If you're getting really close to that range and you can see a big snowstorm supposed to come in and the temperatures are really supposed to drop well then you wait, okay? So you can actually do this. So basically what happens is, is that if your soil temperatures are below 50 degrees Fahrenheit in that seven day period after planting, the root rot severity is way lower, way lower. I mean, you're cutting your Fusarium and Aphanomyces root rot in half at those early mid-vegetative growth stages. And it gives the peas a chance to get a running start. So they can get a lot bigger before the root rot gets bad. You know, obviously the root rot, this main season root rot, is also cut down really sharply when you plant into super cold soils. But what we found is that we had more emergence problems as we're getting to the really cold soils. And you could mitigate a lot of that with seed treatment. And so probably, I mean, I would say if you are in a bind, I would err on the side of being maybe in the colder soils, but you definitely need to use the seed treatment. So basically by optimizing our planting date relative to soil temperatures, within the range of soil temperatures you typically see before the crop insurance deadline on a normal year, you could gain four to eight bushels on these problem fields. And that's not enough on its own, but it helps a lot, right? But when you're planting in these cold soils, you needed to use a fungicide seed treatment in order to get decent emergence. 
And it also helps some against root rot, and I'm assuming it's Pythium and Rhizoc because the soils are so cold. Uh, we didn't do the testing to confirm that, but it, it's just a logical assumption. But it didn't seem to matter much what seed treatment we use as long as it has efficacy against you know, Pythium and Rhizoctonia. The seed treatment gives you four to five bushels on average, and it's a very consistent response in field piece. The temperature optimum is the same for lentils, except we were testing soil temperature there an inch and a half because we normally plant our lentils at about an inch and a half out here. I know you can go two inches, but that's what you normally do. And the seed treatment on lentils is less consistent. Um, but on field peas, it's just, I mean, we always saw a response. I mean, there's only one, one study out of a whole pile of them. Very large number. And all the data slides are online at NDSU Carrington uh, Plant Pathology. Just Google NDSU Carrington Plant Pathology. It'll come right up. You can look at all the data slides for yourself. They're user-friendly slides. And um, it's night and day. I mean, it's just a no-brainer. You use a seed treatment with peas when you're planting in soils below 50 degrees Fahrenheit. And if you want to minimize your root rot, you need to plant in soil. Is that cool? Okay. So anyhow, um, the seed treatment basically gives you another four to five bushels. And so you're looking at a four to eight bushel gain by optimizing your planting day relative to soil temperature. Another four to five bushel gain by adding that seed treatment. So notice suddenly you're at, you know, eight to 13 bushels with those two tools. And Michael also emphasized that this work was done not just in research centers, but also in farmers' fields as well. And the management strategies he's describing are appropriate for all four root rots. I asked if he'd go into a little more detail, though, about the types of seed treatments that he studied. We tested very extensively uh, versus planting date, obvious. And also this mixture from Bayer that we had put together with Bayer's suggestion uh, and that Bayer has indicated that they'll someday roll out into a premix. But basically this was, uh, it, we found it to be very good against in these problem fields. And so obvious is, um, I think, well known by growers. It's got activity against Pythium, Rhizoctonia, and Fusarium, and it's particularly good against Rhizoctonia. And then this mixture we put together from Bayer is Extend-C, which really gives you quite good Rhizoctonia control, Allegiance, which gives you good metalaxa control, and then Proline. Actually, the same Proline you apply foliarly, and we applied everything at rates that's legal. They have all the residue analyses done. It's perfectly legal. Anyone could do it. It's just a bit of a pain in the neck because you'd have to mix it yourself until Bayer rolls out their premix. Um, but basically, we applied those three in a mixture. And, you know, the application rates are again on the slides. Google NDSU Carrington Plant Pathology. All that information's there. But basically, what we found is that it's actually what you would expect. The obvious did really, really well in these cold soils, anywhere below 55 degrees Fahrenheit, again, seven days after planting at seeding depth, average day and night. And actually there you're looking at, it's actually like a five to six bushel gain when the soil temperatures are below 50 degrees Fahrenheit. And that might very well be because the pyraclostrobin component in there has been shown to help with frost tolerance. And so it helps with planting really cold, okay? The uh, mixture from Bayer was giving us very good response in the cold soils too, but you're looking at more like a four to five bushel game. But the difference with that mixture from Bayer is that it gave us those gains even when the soils are 
really warm. And that's that proline helping you with the fusarium. And I think BSF is now promoting their new seed treatment that you have to mix yourself, kind of like adding the proline, which is really their answer to proline, uh, methantrifluconazole, and they sell this as Relania. And they claim that this has a similar effect as the proline for fusarium. Okay, I haven't tested it. I, it would make sense, I believe them, because what I've seen with proline, and I know from my other testing that I've done with proline and that new triazole from BSF, they, they perform very similarly. And so it would make sense, okay? We haven't tested that, but I would think that adding that to the obvious would have a similar effect on the obvious, but really it's irrelevant because what you need, you can't plant that late because you know that seed treatment that gives you four bushels when your soils are 55, 60 degrees Fahrenheit, who cares? You, I mean, you could have gotten yourself more yield by just planting in a timely manner. And you can't make up for the yield gain associated with planting late. Okay? You just can't because the seed treatments only give you partial control. So it can mitigate the damage associated with planting late, but it's not enough to make up for it. And it's much more profitable just to plant when your soils are below that 50 degrees Fahrenheit target in the seven days after planting. And so we tested those two extensively. We did more testing with a broader range of seed treatments. Okay? And what we found is that it really didn't matter. And we just didn't do that as extensively as these two products, but it really didn't matter. Uh, you know, Syngenta has some excellent products in the market. Uh, some of the generic blends work great. That's why I said at the outset, you need an ingredient with activity against Pythium. You need an ingredient with activity against Rhizoctonia, first and foremost. And the best Rhizoctonia products are typically in that SDHI, FRAC7 fungicide chemistry class. So if it says that this is a FRAC7 active ingredient, you should be in pretty good shape. And then if you have something in there with activity against Fusarium, that's bonus. You need to be planting when the soils are cool, and you need then protection against Pythium and Rhizoctonia, and that's your first target on these seed treatments. And a lot of what we've discussed with Michael here today has been talking specifically about peas, although the general approach seems to be effective on lentils as well. Although, Michael says the data with lentils is not quite as straightforward. We've done a lot of seed treatment testing on lentils. The response to seed treatment has been very noisy. Okay, what I mean by that is inconsistent. Sometimes we get a great response, sometimes we don't. And this is all this testing with these seed treatments was done in conjunction with these planting date studies. So we did this at on farm sites in northwestern North Dakota and McLean and Montreal County, south of Minot. So that's kind of west central North Dakota. And here at the research center in Carrington, which is kind of more east central North Dakota. Okay, but in problem fields. So, at any rate, I mean, the seed treatment data are, you know, very representative of what you can find over a broad range of soil types, textures, and environmental conditions, uh, but in these problem fields with the root rot. Lentils are a tougher nut to crack because, again, the seed treatments haven't performed as consistently, and I'd say the response to soil temperature didn't seem to be quite as good as in peas in terms of the yield response. Yeah, so I, I think that the lentils are just going to be a little bit more difficult, but certainly that same soil temperature range that I mentioned for peas, 45 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit in the day and night average, in the seven days after planting, at seeding depth is what you want to be targeting on the lentils, and that's what's optimal, and that was optimal even when the root rot pressure was very low. So basically, it was just agronomically optimal in lentils as well. 
So we've talked about planting, timing, and seed treatments. The third management strategy that's an important piece for managing these root rots is crop rotation. And Michael's done some work in this area as well. The other thing that we've been doing is we've been doing crop rotation research. It isn't as extensive as I'd like, but it's really hard to fund long-term research. And the Northern Pulse Growers Association, which has, of course, checkoff funding, has been really fantastic about funding this long-term research. It's unheard of that people will fund a 13-year study, okay? So we established a crop rotation study there to see how, how if we could manage an existing root rot problem with crop rotation. Anyhow, the study has a two, three, four, and six-year rotation. And the four-year rotation, we're looking at wheat, wheat, wheat as the rotation crops, wheat, flax wheat, and wheat, canola wheat. The six-year rotation is a diverse rotation without any lentils. We've got canola in there. We've got barley and corn and wheat, you know, but there's no, no lentils. And so it's truly five years out of those two crops. Anyway, the take home from this is that we've been able to see, at least at the Carrington location, some moderate degree of root rot reduction with a four-year rotation versus a two-year, but it's not enough to give you commercially acceptable yields. The Hedinger location, um, we haven't seen any reduction in root rot with a four-year rotation versus a two. The root rot has built up at Hedinger, and it's a straight linear line from the third, fourth, and fifth time that VOPs were grown in the two-year rotation. The fifth time would have been 2022. Up to the third year, we were still at low levels. Uh, it was like 2 or 4% root rot severity every year. But the fourth time we grew lentils, it was up to 36% severity. And then the fifth time, it was up to 70, I think 78% severity. Uh, at the Carrington location, we always assess root rot at mid-vegetative growth, target about six to eight nodes, because uh, we have such severe root rot that you have to assess earlier, or else you, you can't differentiate anything. But basically, um, in that two versus three versus six-year rotation heading, we had a very strong statistical separation in root rot, with the six-year rotation being a lot better. It didn't translate into yield, because we're at like 36% severity root rot at early bloom, which isn't enough to really ding up your yields. But it was certainly show that the problem was building and that the six-year rotation helped. And uh, at the Carrington location, again, the four-year rotation helped manage the root rot, but it wasn't enough, okay, to give us commercially acceptable yields, even with a fungicide seed treatment. With the six-year rotation, however, there we, again, we had that sharp reduction in root rot versus the two- and three-year rotation, like we saw in Hedinger, but there it translated into yields. And so we had an average yield there of 47 bushels in the six-year rotation, but that was average grass seed treatment and not, with obvious, in this case, seed treatment. But any seed treatment with efficacy against Pythium and Rhizoctonia will work for you, and bonus if it has some activity against Fusarium. But basically, uh, that was 49 bushels, and without a seed treatment, we're 44 bushels. Okay, no seed treatment in a three-year rotation, we're at 35 bushels. You see how, you know, basically using the seed treatment and that six-year rotation gave us 14 bushels. But the piece of the puzzle that I'm missing out, leaving out here, is that year we planted when the soils were cool. They were right in that target window of 45 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit at the seeding depth. 
So really what we did is we stacked three management strategies and we just got lucky. We were able to plant in that timing that year. Um, but you had the optimal planting versus soil temperature. We used the seed treatment and we had that six-year rotation. And I can tell you if we did that six-year rotation without the optimal planting date, you can subtract, again, anywhere from four to eight or worse if you planted even later, bushels of yield. And if you didn't use the seed treatment, subtract another five bushels of yield and you can see how, okay, the crop rotation alone isn't going to cut it. And this certainly fits with all of our anecdotal experience. And worse, you know, because the mantra has always been, oh, root rots are a problem in cold, wet soils. I've actually had growers come up to me and say, listen, you know, I'm really glad you shared this with me because... You know, because we had root rot problems, I was purposely planting late to avoid the, the cold, wet soils, you know? You know, you better, plant, you better plant early and use your seed treatment to protect yourself against the, uh, you know, the pathogens that are problem in cold, wet soils because the seed treatment is basically a silver bullet against those. All right, well, thank you so very much to Dr. Michael Vunch for providing a ton of great information on today's episode. You can really hear his passion and enthusiasm and deep knowledge for these root rots shine through, and it's great to be able to share that with you here on the show. Make sure you go visit his website that he referenced for more information, and we'll go ahead and link directly to it in the show notes so you can find it there. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the Growing Pulse Crops podcast so you don't miss our next upcoming episode about lentil agronomics and rolling timing with Dr. Perry Miller. Long story short, 1.5x seeding rate was the economic optimum by by the time you considered additional seed cost and what the yield response was. So it suggests that we're probably leaving some yield potential on the table by going at our, our old traditional recommended seeding rates. Again, make sure to subscribe so you don't miss that upcoming episode and many more we have in the podcast library. The Growing Pulse Crops podcast is overseen by the Pulse Crops Working Group with funding from the Northern Pulse Growers Association, the North Central IPM Center, USDA NIFA, and the USA Dry Pea and Lentil Council. We're releasing these episodes two times per month throughout the season, and we want to make sure the information stays relevant to you. So if you're finding it useful, we'd sure love it if you'd leave us a rating and review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify or both. And feel free to tweet us by using the hashtag GrowingPulseCrops. We'll be back with another great episode in a couple weeks. Mm-hmm.